3: sunday here visa the sports betting network hope you're having a great weekend i'm patrick maher live from the Vison studios here at the south point michael lombardi in his new digs there in new jersey ocean city um i was just laughing as we were coming back here michael because we talked about this yesterday it's picking up a lot of steam this little fella comment complicated fella comment uh, from oh, mark man. murphy about rogers it's just like why right why why yeah, add to i it? mean
4: why, why would you can, why would you have to, you know, it's a little interesting. So when I worked at the Raiders and we would go out to practice, Al Davis would stand in the middle of the field and, you know, he, and he'd be there with his all white or all black and right there in the middle of the field, waiting for people, the players to come on the field. And I would tell the coaches like, why would you walk towards him? Like, find a way to walk around the other field. I said, would you go up and pet a tiger? Seriously, would you go pet a tiger? Mm -hmm. Of course you would. So why would you walk that way? Go the opposite direction. You don't need to say hello to him. He doesn't really want to say hello to you. It could only get you in trouble by going towards him. Okay, But of course, naturally, hey, good morning, Mr. Davis. How are you? And then they get their heads ripped off, and they (laughs) wonder what happened. You just pet a tiger. Why would you stir the cage on Aaron Rodgers? Why would you pet the tiger? You know he's a tiger. You know he's a complicated fella, right? You understand this. He's got, you know, you can't do anything in the media that could smooth this over. You have to handle, treat him man-to-man, face-to-face. You're not going to win the battle of PR with Aaron Rodgers. You know, yes, he's complicated, but does everybody need to know that? So, you know, this is once again Murphy having... I think it's a display of, of arrogance in terms of power. He, is, he just feels like, look, I'm in control. I'm the owner. I'll say whatever the heck I want to say. And this is why we have a problem. A
3: complicated fellow. He was invoking their late general manager, Ted Thompson, who had, I guess, referred
4: to. Had complete control of the organization. He did. That's right. And Murphy took it away from him. The next person that came in. So, you know, in one hand, he wants to quote, he wants to quote Ted, but then he's, he took all the power away from the next guy who replaced Ted.
3: I don't know why I just thought about that. I love the petting, the tiger analogy. So I'll continue with that. Al Davis was Al kind to Millie, your wife. Like, was he charming to people? Yeah.
4: Very charming. Very, very charming. He was very great. You know, he called the house. He was very charming. If he was on road trips, he'd always ask. And, and Mrs. Davis is one of the nicest human beings. She's still alive, living in, in the Piedmont Hills in Oakland. And she would always ask about the family and ask how they were doing and knew everybody. Yeah, completely, completely in that way, very, very good and uh, very classy. So this was before texting so he he was a big time caller was it calls at all times of the night all times yeah well mostly at night you know he was a night owl he slept he didn't sleep until later in the day he was on that churchill program you know he was working late into the night and he always would start the phone call by saying i didn't wake you did i (laughs) well it it is two in the morning you know i mean i i wasn't cleaning out the garage i mean you know
3: (laughs) Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm awake, Mr. Davis. I'm awake. Did you, by yeah. the way, did you see okay. the picture? Did you see the picture, um, of Ronnie Lott and John Madden? I, it was, I did. It, I loved it. It yeah. was It was great to see it. Right. It, Madden, such an interesting figure that I don't think most of us really understand.
4: Well, I think he really helped educate uh, viewers about the game of football. Yes. You know, and I think, you know, he 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 took the viewer which we don't have enough of behind the scenes to try to explain the game in a in a more simplistic look. The brilliance of most people that that succeed in life is they take complicated and make it simple. And I think John was really good at being able to take the complex and make it simple for the viewers using bam and um, you know, in the sound bars. And, and really help the fan educate himself on the essence of the game.
3: In 20 seconds, were you surprised he never got back into coaching?
4: No. No, I think he started making so much money in television and it just became so good. It's a different lifestyle. He got comfortable with it. You know, when you win a Super Bowl, you gain personal freedom. You don't mind. Plus, he had that sweet RV. Or you just travel yeah. around? I want to get one of yeah, those. Yeah, most of Pleasanton. I mean, he's got property all over the place. Carmel, he bought the little coffee shop in Parmel that was going out of business because he wanted a coffee shop to stay in business.
3: Yeah, that's, it's fascinating. All right. It is the Lombardi line as we keep it going here on a Sunday. We welcome you in. Good morning. Hope you're having a great weekend. I'm Patrick Maher. He, of course, is Michael Lombardi. So this one dropped yesterday. So tra- So Travis Kelsey was talking to, let's see, the Akron Beacon Journal. And guess what he said? He said, you know, the Chiefs are pretty good, but you know who else is really good and neck and neck with the Chiefs? The Cleveland Browns. So I ask you, Michael, and we'll talk about the Browns here. Good opportunity. They did have a good offseason. Stefanski did a great job in his first year running off that play action. Uh, But, you know, Kelsey may be being a little hyperbolic here, but let's talk about the Browns. Are, Are they that much
4: improved? I think they are, Patrick. I think that they're a team that they can control the line of scrimmage, The weather shouldn't bother them in Cleveland because they can actually run the ball. They've got one of the best offensive lines in football, which we know that. Their defensive line, you know, they got your boy Clowney, so they've improved tremendously. But with Miles Garrett in there, that certainly helps them. They've added some defensive players, especially in the secondary. So, yeah, I think the only obstacle that you worry about with Cleveland is is are they going to – uh, have that letdown? Are they going to feel like, hey, we got this. We were a playoff team. We, you know, we want a playoff game. We can do this. I think the fact that the Steelers aren't near, aren't going to be as nearly as good as they've been in the past with Big Ben, I think the fact that they play a, a third-place schedule is certainly helpful towards them. And look, they, they have balance. And the way you're going to have to beat Cleveland is you're going to have to get in front of them and make Mayfield th- play from behind. You're going to have to make Mayfield throw from a drop back pass regime which is not what they want to do. This is not a knock on Mayfield. This is just the style and the play. If you want to beat Cleveland, you have to make them play from behind. If they get ahead of you and they can run all their play actions and they can do the things they need to do, they become really problematic. And I think defensively, the biggest challenge is how much improved are they on defense? Will Clowney help them? Will Garrett help them? Will Garrett continue to play as he did? Will the new speed on defense help? I think those are all the questions you have to answer, and I think they they will. I think the schedule certainly helps them.
3: Brown's a 12-win team last year. You take a look at with the adjusted 17-game season. They're set at 10.5, Michael. The 10.5 is juiced up to the over at minus 120. In division, they're plus 150. The Browns are 14-1 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Uh, another comment, Jarvis Landry, he can't stop talking about Beckham, uh, Beckham Jr. he said he looks better than he did last year. So these are the these are the pieces you get coming into a season like this. Uh, like Tua, you're going to hear a lot about great workouts and great practices with Tua. With Beckham the same thing as he gets healthy.
4: Well, I think look, when you look at some of the games they lost, I mean, you know, they they open the season up and they get romped by Baltimore. That wasn't even close. Then they go on that win streak and then they go into Pittsburgh and they meet a buzzsaw. Uh Mayfield throws the interception early in the game against one one rat where well, he didn't read it right. He throws the ball right to Martin, uh, Fitzpatrick. It's a touchdown. They get behind in that game, can't come back. Then they come back, and they lose again to Baltimore in a shootout. Remember that game on Sunday mm-hmm. night or Monday night? It was a great, great game. And, you know, and then they lose a game, which they shouldn't have lost, or even come close to losing, to the Jets, where they didn't play well and they were able to come back. I mean, I think when you break down their schedule, you know, the one game that I would say probably was the most disappointing game of the year for them, besides the Jets, was losing to Las Vegas at home. They played those games in October or early November where the wind was howling. And they didn't function very well in that game. Now, in that Raider game, you know, I think uh, Landry had a touchdown that was called a touchdown that got reversed correctly. So there was a lot of opportunity in that game. But, you know, I I think this is a really good young team. I think they've got a lot of good players. If they get Beckham to play at the same level that he's capable of playing with Chubb and Hunt in the backfield, they can be very, very good offensively. And I think it's just going to come down to how good are they on defense? How good can they improve on defense? And Malik Jackson, the kid they signed from Philadelphia, he hasn't played to the level that he's capable of playing in the last couple years, especially when he was in Jacksonville and before that, Denver. He needs to have a big year for them.
3: Running back, wide receiver, tight end, offensive line, You can add the quarterback to the conversation now with the Browns. There isn't a hole on this offense. There just isn't.
4: No, they, you know, we talk about John Robinson having a lot of ifs, right? We talk about, you know, if, you know, uh, Uh, Julio Jones stays healthy if you know Derek Henry can continue this trend of running the football effectively if their defense can rush the passer only 19 the Browns have very few ifs I would say the if on the Browns is can they generate can they get another dominant defensive line play out of someone other than Miles Garrett and if their corners can hold up they draft Newsom in the first round they have Denzel Ward you know they signed Troy Hill to be the slot corner They still have Greedy Williams, who they drafted in the second. This is a talented team that if, unless they get complacent, they should be right there at the end. Okay, so Travis Kelsey says the Cleveland Browns, who
3: played, obviously, Kansas City in the postseason very well at Arrowhead last year, they're neck and neck with the Chiefs. So let me ask you a question. They're going to play week one. I'm going to have you guess the line here. What do you think the line is with the Browns traveling to Kansas City in week one? I'm going to say it's
4: probably five and a half.
3: Pretty damn close. The Browns at one book are lane, excuse me, the Chiefs at one book are lane six. So you're right there. Um, so yeah. I guess the bookmakers say, nope, the Chiefs and Browns certainly not neck and neck quite yet.
4: Not quite. And I think it's early game. I think, you know, going into Arrowhead is going to be a challenge. Uh, with a sold-out stadium for the Browns. It's going to affect their run game a little bit in terms of hearing the crowd noise, but I think Stefanski's done a really good job. I think he's done a good job of being able to run the football effectively. Look at that opening schedule for them. I mean, you know, other than the Chiefs, they will be favored in the next in the next five games, the next six games, seven games, eight games, and then I think that Patriot game in, in New England will be the only game that potentially they won't be the favorite in.
3: Yeah. I- you know, um Stefanski's father was the pro- former basketball player also oh, yeah. with the Nets forever in the front office and he was the president of the Pistons for a little while. I didn't
4: realize maybe he, I did. But... He was a general manager of the Sixers. He he was the guy who drafted Drew Holiday. I didn't realize that. All right. Yeah, yeah he did he a holiday. Was here in Philadelphia. He he did He what, was here in Philly. What did what did
3: Stefanski do in particular? You talked about the way that he ran the offense, but He was in a pretty, that was a tough spot, a precarious spot for a first-year head coach, right, with the shortened offseason, the uncertainty of COVID. What did you see from the first-year head coach that really impressed you?
4: I think he stayed in his lane really well. I think he ran the offense effectively, and I think he married a system of offense to the talents of the quarterback perfectly, perfectly. You know, he got him out of shotgun. He kept him under center more often than not. He kept the game he played from in front. You know, they scored 408 points. Now, here's what people don't realize about the Browns last year. They gave up 408, 19 points. I mean, they got in a lot of shootouts. Yeah. Their defense couldn't stop anybody at times. And if, if Garrett couldn't really slow it down, and I think that's if you ask me what the big if is, is you're going to have to see if Joe Woods can really change what they do defensively and be a little bit more diversified. But I think he did a really good job of marrying the offensive system to the quarterback. And he got the quarterback to play at a higher level. Oftentimes when you watch a quarterback play, you should always ask yourself, was that the system that got the completion or was that the talent of the quarterback? And a lot of these throws that Mayfield made, and I'm not taking anything away from Mayfield, a lot of those throws were the system. He's throwing the wide open guys. And defensively, you know, they struggled to cover and they struggled to get off the field. I mean, that was really their Achilles heel all season long. When you look at it, Patrick, I mean, they gave up a ton of points and they gave up a ton of passing yards. Let's
3: throw up the schedule because I'm just taking a look at some of the standouts here. One, once they get past week one at Chiefs, a nice little two-game homestand to start the year against the Texans and Bears. You should be able to get fat there. Um, They've got three primetime games. They've got, and then the real big anomaly there, Michael, you see week 12, they got a late bye in week 13. And then look at their opponent before and after the bye, the Ravens. So yep. they play the they play the Ravens in consecutive weeks
4: with the bye in between. Yeah. And, and look, look at the end of their season. I mean, it's tough. They got Ravens, Raiders, Packers. We don't know where the pack, the Steelers and Bengals, the last two games of the year could be really I mean, you know the steeler steel; those games are always hard to play. I mean, the Bengal game this year was. I mean, Mayfield had to come lead them from behind. They won 37-34. Remember, Mayfield made that great throw down there in Cincinnati. Now, when they play Cincinnati at home, they. That still was a 35 30 game. That was a Thursday night game. I mean, they have got to play better defensively. And I think if people say they're not going to go over that 10.5 number that we're, they're predicted to do, where the juice is, it's because they don't feel the defense is really that improved. And we'll see if it is. And it's if it's not, there's a ton of pressure on Joe Woods. You know, I, I started this column this morning, and when I got in early, is what, you know, we now live in a world where. The NFL never used to fire coordinators during the season, but now it's become commonplace. And there's a ton of pressure on coordinators. Uh, Let's Jason Garrett. He's got a ton of pressure on him. If he doesn't turn the Giants offense around, it's going to be really, really problematic for him. As much as they don't want... They don't want Daniel Jones to face another offense. If they can't move the football effectively, they're going, to, they're going to make a change in New York. They have to, or they're going to fire the head coach, one of the two. I don't think they want to fire Joe Judge. They're going to make a change. Joe Woods is one of those coaches who's he's not on a hot seat, but he's going to have to step-up seat. He's going to have to show that his team can really turn around because they are a playoff-caliber team to win in the playoffs, but they're not going to if they can't get control of the game. They can't do that, and they've got to play better defensively.
3: Before we get off the Browns, you could characterize, I guess, Mayfield as mercurial, I most would say. Would you expect the production to carry over from last year to this, meaning if I'm a backer and I got over t- 10 and a half or I'm betting them on the future number, the Browns, can I, do I have confidence in Mayfield moving
4: forward? I think Mayfield's the perfect fit. I think he fits the system exactly right. I think you can count on him to be as good within the system. I think if they start to move him outside the system, I think when he has to do things that he's not comfortable with, which i e is playing too much from shotgun, being you know being behind the, being being uh, you know the RPO game, that's not what he does well. I think when you look at Mayfield and and you look at his numbers and you examine when he's in the game and they're in two receiver sets, he averaged 8.07 yards per attempt down the field. You know, when when he has the ability to use play action to separate the defense, he becomes much more effective, much more effective. And I think that's been the key. And as long as they can run the football, as long as Hunt – and Nick Chubb are really running the ball behind that really good offensive line. They will be a tough, tough team and Mayfield will continue to play well. I think it's in vogue
3: to kind of shred him and and, and pick him apart. I, I like I, Mayfield to me is genuine. You know, that edge he plays with and the way he motivates himself, a lot of that is to overcome his deficiencies. You've talked about the size. I I think it's, you know, people can respect, and you can speak on this better than I, within a locker room, the players are going to respect the dude that's genuine or the woman that's genuine. And if he is genuine, even if he is a little
4: uh, terse at times, you like him. Right. But I think that here's what I think is really important to understand about Mayfield. His, His confidence is is there and he thinks he can do everything but when you really peel back the layers of what he is as a player when he was in shotgun last year he threw 325 passes he averaged 6.6 yards per attempt he threw 14 touchdowns six interceptions when he was in a formation where they only had one tight end on the field he threw 227 passes Okay, and he averaged 7.3 when he's under center, when he is not having to deal with all that, he becomes a better down the field thrower. And when you add that element in there, that's why it's the perfect marriage. He's not an RPO quarterback. Most people want to make a quarterback who's short. They want to put him under center. That's not what you should. They want to put him in shotgun under center helps him more than shotgun. Also, the, the ultimate bailout for a quarterback like that
3: would be you, you mentioned the offensive line. I think Kareem Hunt and Nick Chubb are probably even at this point underrated. I'd rather have Hunt and Chubb individually than Zeke Elliott. I think they're I mean it, Hunt is a great pass catcher.
4: No doubt. And they can run their offense and Hunt can catch the ball. But here's where their talent shines. I mean, you've got Willis, Batano, Treader. Teller, and Conklin, and Bill Callahan's the O-line coach. So you've got five really good offensive linemen. You've got all the tackles. You've got tight ends. You've got multiplicity within tight ends. You've got Cooper. you got Hooper. You've got Bryant. you got Nogoku. You've got, you know, they're really good, and they can mix and match formations. Here's the key to being successful on offense in the National Football League is being able to be in a base set and be fast. Being a base set and be fast. So if you can be in two tight ends with one back and two receivers and get to anything you want to get to and be fast and explosive, you become a problem because the defense says to themselves, do we go to nickel against this or do we stay base? If we stay base, they're going to kill us in the passing game. If we go nickel, they're going to kill us in the run game. It becomes a real issue for them. You've got to match. And when you can change your personnel groups without changing personnel, so if you could take Hooper and extend him out, or and Nidoku and extend him out as a receiver, and basically be in two tight ends, but really be in three receivers, that's a huge problem for the off for the defense to match to. Did you enjoy your time in Cleveland? I love Cleveland, you know, my two sons, our two sons were born there, Uh, it's a great city, Uh, I still have a lot of friends from Cleveland, Uh, you know, disappointing, I think the first time we were there, you know, we had some success in terms of the drive, the fumble. You know, we were able to go to the playoff game, got to spend, you know, got to really be a part of the Belichick staff there. It was tremendous. There's nothing but great memories from Cleveland. I wish we would have been able to win more the second time. We just didn't get enough. I think we didn't get a chance to really do anything. But to me, it was great going back because it allowed me to go to New England and win two more Super Bowls. Underrated downtown, too. Fun place to hang out. Great town.
3: So it really is the Midwest Cleveland's a lot of fun you know you go there uh, if you time it right you've got the basketball right there basketball you got the baseball you can walk over to Cleveland I mean it's just it's a what did they call it right there on the water where you go get cocktails
4: oh the the, the
3: flats the flats that 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 Berman would love the flats. You know that oh, he
4: would sure. love anything that has
3: cocktails. Yes, there's no doubt. <laughs> when we come back, We I finally found the one person that doesn't like Andy Reid. I'll tell you who it is next coming up here on the Lombardi
4: Line.
0: If you dare.
5: If
3: you're a horse racing fan, First Bet is the place for you with wagering on races at over 300 tracks, AI-assisted picks. It's the easiest way to bet on your favorite sports, Secure payments, intensive customer service and a reliable website, all brought to you by ExpressBet. You see it right there, up to a $100 deposit match. If you sign up using the promo code VEGAS100 today on your first deposit, visit VSIN.com slash horses. For details, that's vcin.com slash horses. The promo code is Vegas100. We welcome you back here on the Lombardi line. I'm Patrick Maher. He's Michael Lombardi. So the Chiefs have showed no interest yeah. in re-signing Le'Veon Bell, and the feeling apparently is well, mutual. who has? Right, nobody.
4: Who has, show, who has showed interest? Le'Veon, <laughs> not
3: not busy, was being a silly goose on Instagram. And he was talking about something random and somebody said something about the chiefs and Le'Veon bell said, I'd never play for Andy Reed again. I'd retire first. So again, we've looked long and long and far. I finally found the person that doesn't like Andy Reed. What's this all about?
4: Well, I, I mean, obviously I think he probably, when he got released from when he got released from the jets, he felt like, you know, my career is going to take off. I'm going to go sign with the chiefs. He was, you know he was uh, available for nine games for the Chiefs, and he only really started four. He averaged four point yards a carry. Uh, didn't really do a whole lot. I mean, when you look at his career, I mean he went to the Jets, signed the big contract, missed a year. You know, missed a year. Had eighty-five catches for Pittsburgh the year before he missed. Averaged seven-seven yards a catch, two touchdowns. Was dominant in scrimmage yards, almost nineteen forty-six in scrimmage yards. Holds out the year because he wouldn't sign the tenor. Let's fourteen million walk away from him which he claims he'd make up, goes to the Jets, you know, it was a disaster there for one year, starts 15 games, averages 3.2 yards per carry, you know, doesn't really have 66 catches, but does it gets cut, you know, and then he's really and the Jets signed him to that contract, which was ridiculous. Who else was going to sign him? And now he's a free agent. Now he's a free agent. And, you know, who's going to want to take on a back who's 30 years old, who's, you know, Not the same player that he once was before he decided to retire for a year. Uh, Doesn't have the same juice. Doesn't have the same burst. And, you know, he can lash out at Andy. But at some point, you have to be reflective and look in the mirror and say, wait a minute, the last two years for me, or the last three years, I haven't been a very good player. Yeah, Bell was
3: inactive for the AFC Championship game against the Bills. He did not. I think he was suited up, but he didn't play in the Super Bowl. I just, also character flaw. I mean, he's just sitting there on Instagram taking shots at Andy Reid. It's like, dude, stop.
4: Yeah, look, I mean, you know, the hardest thing is to players to accept their, their destiny. I mean, you know, you have to be willing to, to take responsibility. The reason you're not playing is because other people are better. You know, this whole notion that um, you're not playing because you, there's what somebody's a favorite or that somebody else wants. That's not that's not how this works in the NFL. The best players will play, you know, and if you're not the, if you're not able to be the one of the best players, you're not going to play.
3: And he was a great receiver. My gosh, he, there was a couple of years there. Where he was like... so
4: good. I mean, it goes back to what I said in the earlier block about having the ability to be fast, out of base personnel when you had Bell when he was catching 75 85 passes for the Steelers they would line him up away from the formation and he could run more than just screens and bubbles he could run slants he could run nine routes he could run ends he could do a lot of different things which opens up your offense and it forces a linebacker if you want to know what coverage is go put him outside the receiver and see if a linebacker goes or if they just push the corner over If they push the corner over you know they're in zone now take what you want if you if they push the if they put the linebacker linebacker out there go go run a man play and beat him
3: will that season loss be a cautionary tale for players in the future because that was really one and i'm sure he's not the only one but that was the big big name where he actually just sat out that year lost all that
4: cash I- I, I just don't think it ever proves to be worthwhile, you know, and I think it becomes a real problem. And look, you know, the Chiefs have decided that they're going to upgrade their offensive line. They make the Orlando Brown trade, they sign Joe Tooney to a huge contract, they bring Kyle Long out of retirement. He's already hurt. He's already hurt. This is a real, real problem. And I think that, you know, with the Chiefs, the only if they have is can this offensive line play to a high level? And we'll see if Mike Reimers can handle the right tackle. You know, they're bringing back the, the Tardiff kid who the doctor who was out because of COVID. Remember him, the Canadian young man? Sure. He'll go play right guard. I doubt if Kyle Long will make it to the opening day roster because of the injuries. And we'll see if this line's much better. Interesting to see, for me, can Orlando Brown be a legitimate left tackle?
3: Well, if it doesn't work out as far as football, Le'Veon Bell—he's—he's he's got bars, Michael. He can spit.
4: He's a rapper. Did you know that? Yeah, well, it's good. It's always good to have a secondary career. It's one of the things I've always tried to do. You know, you, you just can't always—you just can't always do. You know, you got to change your repertoire. You got to put a new album out, Patrick. Yeah, you yeah, know how that facts. is. It's
3: like you. Could you? you, yeah, think, you got to put th- a new album th- out. Thank you, man. Could you, and your next daily coach for tomorrow morning? Could you write your favorite rap lyrics? I'd like to read. Yeah. Okay.
4: Well, it'll be a Drake lyric, so. <laughs> well,
3: no, no, that's your Biffy. That's your BFF. Uh, the three and a halfs have disappeared on the Suns. It's down to three. Let's see where it is in steam. Atlantic. City. Steam. Steam, 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 steam on the Nuggets. We'll come back with Thomas Gable next. NHL NBA playoffs are here. You got VCN hockey expert Annie McNeil tracking all the NHL action. Senior NBA analyst Jonathan Von Tobel has all the hoops insights. Our experts in the entire VCN team give you all the tools to make the most of every bet on the playoffs. Just start your free 10-day trial right now. It's free at vCN.com slash subscribe. You get everything. Go to vCN.com, bookmark it and get all the tools you need to become a more sophisticated better okay we welcome you back thomas gable the borgata he's like the andy reed of bookmakers everybody loves thomas gable you can't find a person that doesn't like him And we say hi to thomas good morning thomas how are you
6: good morning guys how are you
3: good we were just talking did you ever get the three and a half with the Suns today i know you opened it too
6: no, we have not touched three and a half yet. It's uh, still three here. Uh, we did open it at, at two, as you said, and the uh, the total has not really moved too much. Uh, Tick down a half a point there from the opener. It's now 221. Hmm. two twenty one.
3: Two twenty. Okay, so that's it's slipped down to two twenty one. The other one, and we'll kind of. Break these down a little bit. The Nets are laying two at the Bucks. Now I'm seeing twos painted across the board. Is that where you are at the Borgata as well?
6: Yeah, we've stayed at two um, with this game earlier this morning. You saw some shops at two and a half. You saw some one and a halfs, uh, but yeah, we we were stayed steady at two. Uh, total right now is two twenty eight here. Uh, of course, you know, you have, look at this game here. Both teams shot very poorly in game three. Nets shooting only 36 percent, the Bucks, 38 percent, and only 19 percent from three. Uh, the other, other interesting stat from that game, Brooklyn only took eight foul shots all game. Um, they did not get to the line at all. Of course, Jeff Harden or James Harden's out again. Jeff Green is listed as questionable here for Brooklyn today. Green hasn't played since Game Two of the Boston series, and as bad as the Nets played in Game Three, they obviously still had a legitimate chance to win and put the box in an open three hole. shoot this afternoon in both spots, especially the Nets, who had the most efficient offense during the regular season in the NBA. I mean, they scored 118.3 points per 100 possessions. When you look at the Bucks for this series, they're averaging only 93 points per game. And they scored totals of 107, 86, and 86. And this is from an extremely high-scoring, fast-paced offense against a team that isn't very good defensively. And the shooting has been really poor. They're not moving the ball. Their pace is way down. Their bench has been absolutely dreadful. Uh, You just couldn't imagine this team to be playing like this offensively coming into the series. And yet here they are. They're one win away from tying up the series.
4: Yeah. I mean, I I think, you know, it's uh, when you watch it, you just don't. Even though they won the last game, you feel like they should be down three love because the Brooklyn didn't play well either in last game. But this team hasn't shot well. They don't pass the ball. I mean, going into the last game, they they passed it 416 times in two games. And the Nets averaged 300 passes per game. So they're not moving the ball. And I think what's clear is because Middleton and, and Giannis score, they don't move the ball and Holiday has been in a slump. But my question to you is of your heavy hitters at the Borgata, Thomas, uh, what game are they on today? Uh, do they like Brooklyn or are they taking Milwaukee and the, and the contrarian viewpoint?
6: Uh, you're seeing mostly Nets money here. Uh, certainly that's where the public is. Um, I think the fact that we didn't go to two and a half uh, kept some of the uh, some of them away because I know they wanted the Bucks at two and a half, but um, yeah, keeping the Nets at two I think was the right the right uh, play for us. But I think you hit the nail on the head. The the Bucks cannot. Uh, play efficiently on offense when they play in isolation, like they do, like they have been playing, they need to move the ball better. And you see, you know, that this ISO ball that they've been playing has real, they've really struggled offensively because of it.
3: Did you, did you wear who played? Let's see, let's pick an old school one. Dan Issel, he played for, he played for the nuggets, right? Did you wear your nuggets Jersey to work? Because you're going to need the nuggets more than you've ever needed a side in your life.
6: Yeah, more than likely. Um, I, I did not wear. I don't own a Nuggets jersey, uh, Patrick. Uh, I, I own, sent you one the, last uh, night, The Iverson Nuggets jersey. So,
4: <laughs> but, uh, yeah, there you go. That's a classic, right?
3: Oh, Georgetown. Yeah. Here we go again with the Georgetown. Yeah. Now, uh, but are you? But we we joked about it. But the, I mean, it seems so much like we haven't seen a ton of action anywhere on the Nuggets. Is that the same there at the Borgata?
6: Correct. Correct. Yeah, okay. it's it's all been son's money here. Nuggets just trying to stay alive in the series against the Suns. I mean, the performance from Chris Paul so far, he's been so good in this series. Denver's tried many different coverages on him, and he's been making play after play. In games one and two, the Suns had so many good looks due to great ball rotation. The Nuggets didn't want to get burned there in game three. They kind of dropped back more in defense, but the Suns adapted. And give credit to Monty Williams for getting this offense into a well-oiled machine. Uh, I mean, they've now won six straight playoff games in a row. And during that six-game stretch, they're shooting 49% from the field, over 40% from three, and they're also averaging 26.7 assists and 9.5 turnovers per game. Um... You can say hey, there's some recency bias here, but the Suns certainly playing so well, but they have certainly found something. They're playing smart and efficient and just been really impressed with how they have played not only in this series, but the Lakers series and the Nuggets, not surprisingly, they're relying solely on Jokic to to do a lot. And let's face it, he's not going to win the series by himself.
3: Certainly isn't. Are you getting a lot of action on the Euros there?
6: Uh, yeah, I mean, we've actually had quite a few people uh, in here betting it and uh, wanting to watch it. We've gotten some some good crowds in to, to watch the game. So I've been uh, I've been happily uh, surprised. So that.
3: so listen to this. I, I told Michael about Christian Eriksen, the Den, uh, the the Danish player. So here's mm-hmm. what the team doctor said this morning. Um, he confirmed Christian Eriksen suffered a cardiac arrest and he was gone before he was resuscitated. Wow. Boson said, quote, we got him back after one defib. That's quite, that's quite fast. But when they got to wow. the player on the field, he was dead.
6: That's fascinating. That's an, that's absolutely. Amazing. An amazing, that's amazing, amazing, uh, amazing job there by everybody who could, Get to that uh, quickly and respond, and you know, guys who knew CPR obviously and were trained to do it. I mean,
3: unbelievable! And you know, his his own player prevented him from choking on his tongue and started the CPR as the medical professionals were coming out. That is a hero, uh, Thomas Gable. Thank you, Director of Race and Sportsbooks. We'll talk to you tomorrow. Good luck at the book today. Thank you very much. All right, thank thanks, TV. guys. Okay, at Borgata Sports. What a what an incredible story, and Christian Erickson. Just to let you all know, he is doing well stabilized at the hospital there in Copenhagen. When we come back, Josh Applebaum's wow. going to join. We'll get Michael Lombardi's picks on the games today, maybe a little baseball as well. And Josh Applebaum will join here on the Lombardi line presented by BetMGM. It's a cin the Sports Betting Network.
5: Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts.
3: Hey, turn a dollar into a hundred. Nats or Bucks, they hit a three. They didn't hit a ton of them in game three, but they will today. VSIN 100 is the bonus code. Visit betmgm.com, download the BetMGM app. Again, Nets or Bucks hit a three today. You bet a $1 100 paid for and free bets over at BetMGM. If you have a gambling problem, please call 1-800-532-4700 in Colorado, Nevada, Virginia, Washington, DC, 1-800-2707-117 for help in Michigan. 1-800-GAMBLER in Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa, Tennessee. Call or text REDLINE 800-889-9789, Indiana. Call one 9 with it. Okay, we welcome you back. Hope you're having a great Sunday. I'm Patrick Maher, live from the Beeson Studios here at the South Point. Michael Lombardi, there, Ocean City, New Jersey. Here comes Josh Applebaum. Go ahead. Yeah, what do you got, bad Michael? bad things.
4: Bad things. We got a lot of bad things, Patrick. Bad things. They wishing and wishing. Bad things. I got my Drake lyrics. You know, I'm ready to go. Bad things.
3: It's <laughs> like, what the you hell's know? going I mean, I'm on? Ready. Bad things. Bad, bad things. That. Yeah, that's your boy. Um, you got anything else for us as far as lyrics? You want to spit? I got to do a little bit more work. I got okay. to make sure I got yeah, that, no, but no, I just want to let no, you know. No. I
4: got a little, that's, that's my favorite one so far.
3: <laughs> Michael Lombardi rapping Drake. You have not I see you in the corner. Uh, yep, she loves it too. We all do. Uh, passion fruit, no doubt. Michael Lombardi. Now, Josh Applebaum, everybody knows uh, he is a rapper in his spare time and he joins us. A contrarian, of course, feet up near the head. Hi, Josh. Not today though. Not
4: today. He's not a contrarian. He's an anti-contrarian today.
3: No, he's, he wants to join. He wants to join the squad today. Any updates as we say, hi, Josh.
7: Yeah. Started from the bottom. Now we hear Patrick. Well, oh, guys, one snap. Thing, one thing, this is really intriguing and Michael, I would love to hear your take on this. So uh, there's been a big controversy in Major League Baseball here, where obviously we've seen uh, pitchers dominate, strikeouts are up, batting averages down. And what you're seeing is MLB cracking down on these foreign substances that pitchers have been using. This thing called spider tactic. loop it all over their arms, they get a higher spin rate. There was a tweet that just came out today from Bob Nightingale, who covers MLB. He said, the past week was the lowest spin rate of any week this season, and the impact is quite clear. Batting average is up strikeouts down. So as a better, I'm saying, okay, how can we take advantage of this? I dialed up my database here, guys. And if you look at from opening day until last week, the over over under was pretty much down the middle, 50-50. It was 49.6%. You'd still be down around 30 units laying the juice. Here's the interesting thing. Since MLB has cracked down on this foreign substances the pitchers use this past week, the over is 38 and 30. It's 56%. So we've seen the over rise about 6.3% over the past week, as MLB is cracking down on these foreign substances. And If you wanna take advantage of this trend, you know the books will know this, they're gonna adjust these MLB totals. But just a couple games today, guys, that would match that. Uh, you look at San Diego and the Mets' is paddock against Lucchese, We've seen that total rise 7.5, up to 8. Wind's blowing out, pretty hot day there in New York. Colorado Cincinnati, that thing rose uh, 9.5, up to 10. Uh, Great American Ballpark is the number one ballpark for overs this year, 21 and 9. Wind's blowing out, it's 90 degrees, it's pretty hot in Cincinnati. Uh, Texas and the Dodgers—they're both uh, 13 runs each game this series, uh, and that total rose seven and a half up to eight. So, Michael, what do you think? Uh, is this just universal in sports? If you can get an edge, use it. Just don't get caught. Or what's your take on this whole spider tech? Yeah. Who we see overs rise now?
4: Well, I mean, look at the look at the Red Sox—you uh, know—game g- yesterday with the Devil Rays. I mean, how many home runs were in that game, Josh? <laughs> y- you know, it, it seemed like it was—it uh, seemed like it was. So, I, I think look. You know, I, I think they want more offense. How are they going to help the pitchers? They do everything to help the offense. Pitchers trying to gain an edge. Uh, it's interesting how that. I, I don't quite understand how the, they put the stuff on their arm and it helps them spin the ball. I don't quite grasp that. But, you know, this has been going on. This isn't just new in baseball. Baseball has, has always, I mean, you're too young to remember, there's a pitcher named Gaylord Perry that used to have stuff all over the ball. I mean, the ball literally looked like, you know, when I was, you played Little League Baseball, you saw that white ball. Oh my God, it was the greatest thing. When you watched Caleb Perry pitch, that ball was brown.
3: Yeah, and it's not about velocity. It's not velo. It's really just about control and increasing the spin rate equals harder ball to hit. And Josh, I think you brought up a great point for the better and always be thinking this way. Uh, eventually, the, the the books and the, and the market's going to correct itself, but there's always generally a window. When we go from something like this, there's going to be a window where the bucks have to wait and see. And as a better, if you're out in front of that, you can make some money there.
7: Great point, Patrick. So that's kind of the, the worrisome part here is that, you know, we've seen over this past week, obviously with MLB cracking down on these foreign substances, overs are on the rise. Why? Because the ball's not spinning as much levels of playing field a little bit. Uh, Even like what really jumped out to me guys is like Trevor Bauer yesterday, guy who's got one of the best numbers in baseball looks unhittable. They crack down on, on this spider tech stuff. He gets lit up by the Texas Rangers. I mean, that's just like extreme cause and effect is what we're seeing here. But Patrick, you are right. Books are smart. They're the smartest people in the room. They're, they know this, they're, they've seen this rise in in totals here. They are probably going to adjust these numbers up. Maybe if, Usually they're the seven and a half. They say, hey, maybe maybe we should do an eight or seven and a half juiced up to the over. So again, this will, you know, books will catch up and they probably are right now, but something to keep an eye out moving forward. We may see. A uh, little bit of a renaissance here with overs, with pitchers uh, not using the spider attack stuff anymore. Yeah, and
3: Michael Josh is above board. We know this, but when I met him here in Vegas, when he caps the games, he had like eye black under the eyes. He had the big league <laughs> chew in, so he wasn't yeah, cheating. He wasn't Patrick, cheating, yeah. but he takes it very serious. So we should we should respect yeah, no we should respect the contrarian there in the middle. Uh, let's <laughs> yeah. go, let's go. We're looking for some hacks and looking for some wins today, Josh. We'll start with the early one. Starts three o'clock Michael's time. Uh let's see, noon my time. That's Brooklyn at Milwaukee. Right now we're sitting two with the Nets laying it. And man, are we down to two twenty eight? Yeah, two twenty-eight for a total.
7: Yeah, Patrick, this one here. So uh, you know, we did our first segment about an hour ago, and a lot of books were hanging the two and a half with the hook. I think this is critical because a lot of those two and a halves, it looks like you had some respect and money. Grab the hook, drop it back down to two. And I think Thomas Gable, you know, we we talked to him earlier, but uh, I think what he said. You always got to listen to Thomas. He's so sharp, but he doesn't want to give away too much. And I think the fact that you know he didn't really want to go to two and a half. What did that tell you? He didn't really want to throw the hook out there to Bucks plus two and a half backers. So uh, in this spot here, guys, you know if you can shop around, this is, we always stress the importance of this multiple outs. Look around for a book that's still hanging at two and a half. If you like the Bucks. Now if you like the Nets, you can go money line here. You can lay the two. You have some options. Uh, but I'm I'm gonna go I'm gonna go Bucks here. I'll grab the two. Ideally, if you can find a two and a half. Uh, that would be my preferred play, but really contrarian spot. A little bit of liability on the Bucks And, Michael, I'm really worried about Scott Foster here, but it looks like this under continues to get hit, 230, down to 228. Uh, can you get the hook on that? I'm not sure. But updated series price here, guys. If you think the Bucs can come back down 2-1, to one, they're plus 300, and that's minus 375 to win this series.
4: You know, it's funny though when you go over the last three games at the Forum there in Milwaukee. Milwaukee has beat the Nets three times in a row there. Now, obviously, the Nets haven't had all their players, but you know, I do think home court matters for Milwaukee. You see those fans out there and the, that don't get in the stadium. They're eleven in the last eleven games. They're eleven and zero straight up uh, in those games at home. So home court does matter, but I just feel like I'm going to go with the body language that I saw coming off the court. I feel like the Nets will not shoot that poorly. I think it'll be a game where the Nets will, will will be able to to show that they are the better team, and I think they'll get back on track.
3: Let's see. Does Josh have his broom with him? The Suns look to close out the Nuggets today. Open two, up to three. We did see a couple of books touch three and a half, but mostly threes here. And a total of 221 and a half. Wow, went down from 222. Okay, so 221 and a half for a total, and the Suns are laying three, Josh.
7: Yeah, Patrick, this is the toughest one for me. I mean, I'm going back and forth. I I really, I have some some, some supreme uh, heartburn here because I think the Nuggets are really in an incredibly contrarian spot. Disgusting, only getting, you know, one or two out of 10 bets here. Just a super lopsided play. But again, we talked about this earlier. I want to be contrarian if there's any evidence of a line freeze or some sharp action. You know, I don't want to be contrarian just to be contrarian. I want a little evidence, just a tiny bit of some respected money. Now, you may have seen that this thing got up to three and a half down to three. So maybe there was some nuggets plus three and a half money coming there. But I think if you're betting the Suns, now's probably the time to pounce. I think this thing probably gets back up to three and a half. So it really pains me to say it, guys. I'm going to be with the public, but I think I'm also with the pros. I am going to lay it with the Suns. Uh, And also, I am going to take this over. It did rise a little bit. It was 222 down to 221 and a half. But I'm thinking this thing gets back up a little bit as well. This might be your best number over 221 when the total's 220 or more this playoffs. The over is 24 and 15, 62 percent, Michael.
4: You know, I, I I think if you like Denver and you want to go contrarian, you almost have to go over, right? It's got to be a game of Denver shoots lights out. It's got to be a Michael uh, Porter game where he makes three or four or three. You know, I think. Josh, the first quarter, if you like Denver, that might be a better play. Take the first quarter play here. I think this is the in-game betting game. I really do. It's. I don't want to not pick the game, but I think it's the in-game betting. I like Phoenix, but I like them to show it to me, and I'm going to watch the first five or six minutes. I think the odds will, will stay relatively the same, and you can determine that early on in the game and, and see what the body language is for the Denver Nuggets and where their enthusiasm is. You know, when you play the – the we quit card when you play that we have no toughness card, you know, and I think the players all like Malone. But what's left after that card's been played? I worry there's not much. So I like if the Suns here. I think I would do in-game betting and at that point make the determination to go over or under that point. Because if it goes under, it'll be because of Phoenix's defense stopping. Denver, which they've done all series.
3: If Josh bets the Suns today, he's going to need to take a shower. He's going to feel dirty. He's going to just loathe himself. And if he's going to have FOMO not backing the Nuggets because you know you don't want to be with 90% of the bets there, Josh. You're going to have FOMO.
7: I know. This is really, I feel like I'm walking in a buzzsaw. And when the Nuggets win, I'll be like, what was I doing here? I overthought it. But I would say, Michael, real quick, uh, first quarter line is Suns minus a half point. So, you know, you can be, if you're a Nuggets backer, you're here, you know, obviously you got to be, you know, up a point, obviously winning first quarter. But I think it was a great point by you, Michael. And again, Patrick, my only saving grace here is that I'm with the public, but I think there's some respect to money as well. If you get a three, uh, even entertain a money line, it's a little high for me there, but I think it goes to three and a half. Remember series price here. Suns minus ten thousand now. Uh, nuggets plus twenty five hundred to come back. Floor
3: is yours, boys. Last forty seconds, Michael. Anything on the way out? Floor is yours. Rout, uh,
7: you want to you know,
4: I'm going to go with the race today. I'm going to go with the race today against the uh, Josh's Boston Red Sox. I like that play today.
7: Josh Applebaum. I'm with, I'm with you, Michael. Yeah, big move there to Toronto, and then also keep an eye out Tampa Bay uh, crushing lefties going up against Baltimore and Zimmerman today.
4: Okay. There it is. Any rap? Anything from Drake on the way out? Either of you? True Bunny Money, man. Buy you champagne? You want some henny from the block, (laughs) like you, Jenny? I mean, I love it. I know you special, girl, because I know you too many. There you go. How you like that? I have
3: nothing. I have nothing to say. We may want to quit. I have nothing to say. Thank you, everybody. I guess have a fun following that, Brady Cannon. We'll see you tomorrow on the Lombardi Line.
2: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity Voice Remote. You're a growing business, which means you need every spare hour you can find. That's why the most successful growing businesses are working together in Slack